Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Sacred Space Sunday. Or if you're joining us via podcast, listening to us on podcast, and need us in to educate, engage, and empower. We welcome you to Sacred Space Sunday. Today is the first Sunday in March. We almost hit the spring. Almost, almost here. Almost here. We've had some moments that have felt like it and some that have not. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm Mark Christmas, Reiki Master and Director of Wholeness and Wellness uh, Near Center. Uh, Nanu Jewel is there to my next to me is the founder and spiritual director of the Nia Center. Nia uh, means purpose and intention, right? The Nia Center presents Sacred Space Sunday. Our spiritual conversations will engage, educate, and empower. And I say conversations today with emphasis on conversations because we're exactly what we want this to be. We draw from the insights of sacred texts, wisdom, teachings across the ages, sages from the past and present, and universal ethical principles for practical strategies for transformation that create oneness, love, and joy. Uh, today's spiritual conversation is going to be entitled, Is Now All That Matters, right? Our program will include an affirmation, a posture of presence, mindfulness moment, a talk and a conversation to engage, educate, and empower. And uh, then finally, we'll wrap it up with the recommended practice, applying the insights and close with the prayer to take you into your day and days ahead. All right. Again, we're celebrating three years in the community as of uh, September 19th, 2022. So we're almost at the three and a half year mark now. We're excited about that, right? Uh, so, so, Nay, what's special about March? A lot special about March, but first I just want to say good morning, good morning, good morning to my line sister, LaTanya Johnson. Welcome <laughs> and thank you for joining us live. Good yeah. morning, good morning, auntie. Okay, <laughs> good morning and much love to you, auntie. Thank you, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are in March. We are in the third month already of 2023. And so, you know, time is doing what time does, does and we're gonna talk a little little bit or a lot of bit about time today and why, why we wanna ask the question uh, about time and its relationship to now. But there is a lot going on in March. Uh, March is Women's Herstory Month, Her Story, Her Story Month. Uh, <laughs> March 8th is also International Women's Day. Woo, woo! Happy belated birthday, LaTanya Johnson. That's yeah. it. That's all. That's it. That's all. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. um, you, wishing you uh, blessings in this new revolution around the sun, um, wanting and honoring only the best for you in each and every moment. So yes, thank you. Happy birthday, happy belated birthday, Tanya. Love Tanya. And so um, please, you know, we do want to celebrate birthdays. So anybody else put your birthdays in the chat or people that you know that are having birthdays that you can shout them out right now. Um, as I go through uh, a sharing of a lot of other things that are going on this month, as I said, March 8th is International Women's Day. So take this opportunity to celebrate all those who identify as women in your life um, and the, the, the contributions, um, literally, None of us would be here without women. So, you know, <laughs> that's it. And that's all, as Latanya said. That's, um, <laughs> <and> that's all. 
Um, and it is a very much a holy time. It's always a holy time, but some seasons there are more rituals and practices than in others. And so this is a season of sacred holidays. And if you are not following the Festival of Faiths um, and their Center for Inter Interfaith Relations, um, that is a great uh, space to keep you connected to all things interreligious and interfaith. And so they have done a wonderful job of, of summarizing many of the rituals that are taking place around the world. I believe Ramadan starts this month too, the end of this yes. month. Absolutely. So uh, we have Lent, Lent, which is preparing for Easter in the Christian church, which started on Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, which was uh, Feb uh, February 22nd. And we are now in the Lenten season. So, you know, we send um, salute and recognition for all of those who may be fasting in recognition um, of Jesus Christ's fasting in the wilderness um, before his public ministry. So uh, for all of the other Catholics and Christians who are doing some form of um, you know, fasting, and fasting doesn't just apply to food, but some form of self-control and self-discipline, right. um, we send you um, praise and honor. And may you get the spiritual guidance and clarity that you're seeking during that time. Absolutely. And then we have Purim, which is Judaism's joyful celebration of salvation. So uh, wishing everyone a happy Purim. And that will be begin on sundown March 6th and go through the evening of March 7th. So uh, happy Purim for those who will be celebrating celebrating that. Um, and following the commandment, uh, people give gifts to friends and the poor. And it also, during that holiday, there's preparation of baskets filled with treats. Now mm. there is Holi, H-O-L-I, Holi, which is the Hindu festival of spring. So we want to wish everyone a happy Holi. And Holi also is taking place, I believe it is March 8th. Yeah, so uh, same as International Women's Day is also um, Holi, H-O-L-I. Um, so um, we send celebratory and recognition to a joyful festival time for all those celebrating holy. And Mark, as you said, Ramadan. Ramadan will go from March 22nd through April 21st. Here again, we see um, uh, people who practice Islam tradition, Muslims marking this by fasting, which is one of the five pillars of Islam. So during sunlight hours, there is total and complete fasting. Fasting. They have a pre-dawn meal and uh, the fast is broken. They break fast um, at dusk. So again, we send honor and recognition to those who will be fasting during Ramadan. So very much going on in many traditions this month. And so um, we just honor this sacred season of holidays. Yeah. Happy birthday to March birthdays, obviously, Latanya. Uh, my daughter Madison's birthday is March 26th. Uh, Naomi's sister Angela is March 27th. Uh, I know we got more March birthdays as well. Um, um, if you have so, you can put them in the chat. Shout out to all the March babies. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so uh, remember, you can always cast us on the TV. Um, you can find us Twitch, Facebook, uh, watch us on YouTube. 
And, you know, if you have any questions, any uh, ideas around things that you'd like us to discuss, people you'd like to recommend we reach out to to host here. Um, if you're interested in Reiki sessions or spiritual counseling or other forms of sponsorship, please reach out to us at neacenter at gmail.com, neacenter at gmail.com. And uh, as a reminder that Sacred Space Sunday now comes to you on first and third Sundays, first and third Sundays. So the next Sacred Space Sunday will be March 19th, 2023, inshallah. March 19th, 2023, inshallah. And now uh, we would like to move into our program and Mark will share today's affirmation. Oh, okay. That was quick. Okay. So, uh, you know, the affirmations, they start off with the written to either write it down or take a picture of it so you can refer to it over the week uh, and repeat after me as I say, as we say it aloud. I choose to live in the now moment. I choose to live in the now moment. I release resistance to now. In the now eternal moment, I feel oneness to source, love, ease, peace, and happiness. Let's do that one more time. I choose to live in the now moment. I release resistance to now. In the now eternal moment, I feel oneness to source, love, ease, peace, and happiness. Yeah, again, we ask that you uh, be with this affirmation over the course of the next two weeks uh, on a daily basis. Look at it. We'll put it somewhere where you can see it, refer to it, say it out loud at least at least once a day, or maybe a couple of times a day, uh, and have these things come true uh, for you. So, Nay, we've got a topic today you just uh, you've chosen is now all that matters. Is now all that matters. And so I, I, I throw this. Yes. Can we put that affirmation in the chat? Okay. Yes, we can. Mark, if you copy and paste that in the chat, that'll yep. be awesome. Thank you for that request. We will put the affirmation in the chat. And for those who uh, uh, follow us via podcast, we put the affirmations in the summary for the podcast. So you can also find those affirmations in the summaries of the podcast each Sacred Space Sunday. So yes, is now all that matters? So I throw that question back out for those who are joining us live. Let us know. Do you think now is all that matters? So put a one in the chat if yes, you think now is all that matters. A two in the chat if no, now is not all that matters. Or three, like, I don't know. So one, yes, now is all that matters. Two, no. Now is not all that matters. Three, I don't know. I don't know. So I have an opinion, but I will hold my opinion. <laughs> I see a one. I see a two. Thank you, Cheryl DC Joy. Lakita B says two. KG Dean, good morning, says one. So we got two ones, two twos. And it looks like there might be some abstentions. 
<laughs> Come on, we, got two. we got some more twos. The twos, the twos are taking it. The twos are taking it. No, now is not all that matters. Uh, so Mark, but if now sucks. But if now sucks. <laughs> I hear that, right? Say, I hear I'm that. Yes, I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna go with the ones. You're gonna go with the ones, okay? Yeah. So we're probably about even now. About you know half say one, half say two, um, and so yeah, this is why we're talking about it today, and that's exactly what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a conversation. You're gonna see our time spent on Sacred Space Sunday as we seek to to reach an in-between of our initial days when we used to all be on Zoom together and could more freely and openly have a dialogue to return to a dialogue format. And so today um, the talk will seek to be in the mode of dialogue and conversation. So as always, we love an active chat. We love an active chat. So to kick us off on this conversation is now all that matters. Mark is going to do a reading for us. So let me uh, turn it over to Mark to set up some context. Mark, should I say anything about what you're reading or what well, it is before you, you guys can see this book? I'm going to yep. be reading from the Bhagavad Gita, uh, Krishna's Council in the Time of War, uh, translated by Barbara Stoller Miller. So the Bhagavad Gita uh, is a uh, Hindu um, spiritual uh, text, right? It is uh, very ancient. It's been translated from Sanskrit, which is not an easy, laser to, easy language to translate into English because some of the words don't have exact translations, just like many languages. Uh, so that's why it's important to know, translated by Barbara Stoller Miller. Um, in this situation, uh, there's Arjuna, who's the main character in the book, who's speaking to uh, Krishna. And Krishna, in this case, is think of it as a divine entity, God, if Krishna may choose to call God, or you have another faith that you believe, whatever your the omnipotent presence is, source, uh, whatever you choose to call it, would be representative of Krishna. And so uh, it's, it's written in, it's a poem, it's really a poem, it's not really that big of a book, you can see it's, it's kind of thin. Um, but, uh, it's, and, and uh, Arjuna is conflicted about going to battle because he's going to battle against his cousins, right? And he's got all these questions for uh, Krishna and Krishna's giving them guidance and telling them to, to honor his duty. So I'm going to read the 12th teaching, just the first 12 verses of the 12th teaching, devotion. So Arjuna says, and it's set up as a conversation between Arjuna and Krishna. So Arjuna starts off, who best knows discipline? Men who worship you with devotion, ever disciplined, or men who worship the imperishable, unmanifest. So Lord Krishna responds, and he has the rest of the verses. I deem most disciplined men of enduring discipline who worship me with true faith and trusting their minds to me. Men reach me too who worship what is imperishable, ineffable, unmanifest, omnipresent, Inconceivable, immutable at the summit of existence. Mastering their senses with equanimity toward everything, they reach me rejoicing in the welfare of all creatures. It is more arduous when their reason clings to my unmanifest nature. For men constrained by bodies 
the unmanifest way is hard to attain. But men intent on me, renounce all actions to me and worship me, meditating with singular discipline. When they entrust reason to me, Arjuna, I soon rise, arise to rescue them from the ocean of death and rebirth. Focus your mind on me. Let your understanding enter me. Then you will dwell in me without doubt. If you cannot concentrate your thought firmly on me, then seek to reach me, Arjuna, by discipline and practice. So even if you fail in practice, dedicate yourself to action. Performing actions for my sake, you will achieve success. If you are powerless to do even this, rely on my discipline, be self-controlled, and reject all fruit of action. Knowledge is better than practice. Meditation, better than knowledge. Rejecting fruits of action is better still. It brings peace. It's so rich. It's so rich. There's so many pieces there. So again, um, if you didn't catch it, we'll put this in the chat. Uh, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the 12th teaching verses, they don't call them verses, but in English, we call them verses one through 12. So I don't have the book in front of me, so I can't remember all of them. So um, when you get a chance, Mark, I want to go back to the, the quote that you read about um, bodies and uh, because we're in these physical bodies, essentially, that it is difficult for us to understand the unmanifested form that is Lord Krishna in this instance, you know, God. Um, it's one of the pretty early on pa passages. Yes, the Bhagavad Gita. Um, do you see that? About the what again? About the bodies? The bodies and the unmanifested, that it's hard to understand the unmanifested yeah. form. It's like yeah. probably like the third verse or something like that. Yeah, uh, verse five. It is more arduous when their reason clings to my unmanifest nature. For men constrained by bodies, the unmanifest way is hard to attain. Yes, we're in bodies. And so it's hard for us to understand and recall our connection with the unmanifested, our unmanifested nature. And, and another thing I thought was interesting in there, uh, meditation is better than knowledge. And that, you know, it seems that God is trying to tell Arjuna, you know, who, like you said, is, is dealing with this really, I mean, to the core conflict, talking about going to battle against your own relatives and talking about how you move through that most difficult time. And it seems to me that God Krishna is saying, turn to me, trust in me, trust in the process, let go of your reason. Reason is not helping you. Let go. 
um, and trust in me and do that, which is your duty and purpose and release the fruits of your action, meaning release attachment to the results, focused on that, which is in front of you and trust in me and do it and not to, to, to reason, which in the context of a war against your family members, physical to the death war, I think is used to really say, because when people are like trusting, you're like, but you don't know my circumstances. (laughs) You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what my day-to-day looks like. Like I'm dealing with some real stuff. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what I am a victim of. You don't know what I'm trying to work against. And so for you to say release and let go and sit down, meditate, uh uh-uh, you don't get it. And so I think it is very much not a coincidence that this is told through the lens of someone who is literally being called to be the leader warrior to go to battle to literally kill his family members in a territorial, you know, turf war. So I'm curious about your Turk takeaway because this sacred text, very, very old, read by millions across, you know, uh, the centuries. Uh, what your takeaway was from reading this text? Was this your first time reading it? Yeah, this was my first time reading it. Uh, uh, I spent a little time with it this morning reading the introduction. Uh, that was interesting. Like you said, it was um, it was a, a, the seat of the king had been vacated and the cousins wanted it and they decided to go to war against uh, their cousin to, to take it over. Because so, king didn't have any heirs, any male heirs, because he had been cursed that he couldn't have, by penalty of death, he couldn't have sex with his wives. So <laughs> I don't know what kind of curse that is, but. <laughs> it stops your generations. That seems like an ultimate curse to me. That's like yeah. the lineage will stop with you. <laughs> That's all, all, to me, an ultimate curse, right? Yeah, all right. But then his, his brother had a hundred kids. And so these are the ones that are battling this other kid for the throne. So. Yeah. So what was your takeaway though, in terms of the call to turn to Krishna and, and to turn that conflict over to Krishna? Well, I think he gave him a couple of different options of how we could do it. You know, if you don't, if you can't just trust in unmanifested then uh, discipline, which is what another word for yoga, right? Just keep practicing it. And maybe through practicing it, you'll get closer to me. You'll get to it. Um, uh, and so he gave him a lot of options of how to get that clarity or develop that relationship, whether it's to practice, to discipline, uh, if he just couldn't just take it at word and believe in it from the beginning. Right. So some of you may be wondering, how does this relate to our topic is now all that matters. So Lord Krishna is offering to Arjuna that now his next step is to go to battle. That, that is his now. His now moment is calling him to battle. And although his mind and everything in him is offering him resistance to doing that, right? That God is saying, this is your now moment. This is your next step. This is what is called forth for you now. And I also say, so release what comes after it. There's no thought of what came before it or what's to come after it. This is your call right now. And through your trust and devotion to me, step into it. So that's one way it looks. So I'm going to read a couple of quotes here 
about now from some other teachers, um, uh, spiritual teachers throughout time. So uh, that was, like we said, a Hindu spiritual text, a Hindu sacred text here, the Bhagavad Gita. If you haven't um, read it, I highly recommend it. So um, questions asked by Zen Buddhist teachers, you know, as we remind here in any tradition, there are many different strains of that tradition. No tradition is just one way of thought. There are, you know, thoughts within the thought. So Zen Buddhism is one type of Buddhism. A Zen Buddhist teacher says, what at this moment is lacking? What at this moment is lacking? If not now, when? So that's an important question to ask yourself. In the midst of the, all the circumstances and all the things that are going on in all of our lives, to stop and ask, what in this moment is lacking? In this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment. And you may find some space. And if there is action to be taken, if not now, when? So I want to come back to that later, but I think that's a very much a foundational concept to this conversation about now and the role it plays in our life. Now, the Sufis, which is the mystical branch of Islam, um, are known to have this phrase, that the Sufi is the son of time president present. The Sufi is the son of time present. So that's that true acknowledgement and reverence and privileging of the present moment. And then Rumi, the Sufi poet and teacher, Mark spoke at length about Rumi in the last talk. So uh, go back and listen to that if you haven't uh, seen it. Rumi said, past and future veil God from our sight. Burn up both of them with fire. <laughs> Past and future veil God from our sight. Burn up both of them with fire. So that's pretty terminal to burn something up with fire, right? That's pretty much like it's done. It's gone. And so if past and future veil God from our sight, what's left? What doesn't veil God from our sight? Now, now does not veil God from our sight. So Meister Eckhart, the 13th century, so that would be the 1200s, the 13th century spiritual teacher said, time is what keeps the light from reaching us. There is no greater obstacle to God than time. So these quotes, I think, do a great job of setting us up. And I pulled a lot of these quotes from this text, as we say here, we, we pull from sages from the past and the present. Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Some of you may have read this book. Talks a lot about uh, the what now. Was other book? What was the first other book? He wrote? A New Earth. A New Earth. Right. A New Earth. So that definitely has got much attention and is another um, set of wisdom teachings that I think, you know, people should check out and take a look at. But, it talks uh, about the ego, the battle of the ego. 
It, it does. And this particular book talks more about the battle of the mind, right? And the battle of the mind and all of the ways that the mind would pull you away from the now moment and what that creates in your life. So that's something that you can check out and, and hear more from his perspective on the now moment and what we want to take in mind. But today we want to talk about um, our perspective and I'm going to share my perspective and I want to hear your perspective. So that's just kind of some background information to get you kind of just thinking and hopefully your juices are flowing about this now moment. And whether you were a one or a two, maybe now you're open to say, okay, well, why was I a one? Why am I one? What did I base that on? If I'm a two, why am I two? What did I base that on? What am I open to hearing, learning, knowing that might, you know, inform me more? I may still arrive at my same position, but now I have even more critical thought around this. So I'm going to um, share seven reasons to choose to live in the now. Seven reasons to choose to live in the now. And give your feedback as, as we're talking about this in the chat. Number one, now is the only thing that is real. Now is the only thing that is real. Not the past, not the future. I quote from Eckhart Tolle, is it possible for anything to happen or be outside of the now? Think about it. Is it possible for anything to be outside of the now? The past is a memory and the future is imagined. Reason number one, now is the only thing that is real. Two, Latanya, other March birthdays, but really everybody, now you Right now, right now, 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 right now, you are the youngest you will ever be. <laughs> it's true. Now you are the youngest you will ever be. Three, now is where you will find ease and peace. Take you back to our quote. What at this moment, this now moment is lacking? Now is where you can find ease and peace. So I give an example here. So this very moment morning, like in the wee hours when I woke up, but not quite out of bed yet, for some reason, I started thinking about an upcoming conversation that I'm going to have with someone. And I just start to play out this conversation in my mind thinking about what I want to say, how I want to say it. I'm imagining what some of their objections might be, some of their questions. I'm imagining what their reactions are going to be, how they're going to feel, as if we could ever know how someone else is going to feel. But I'm almost unconsciously going through a whole dialogue and then stopping it and then respinning it this way. Or that. I mean, am I the only one who has ever done this? Only one? Only one, right? You know? Mark, <laughs> is this something that resonates, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I can really you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I played out the entire conversation in my mind. Now, I know for a fact that I'm not even scheduled to have this conversation with this person for almost a week and a half from now. 
So I'm already in my mind in the wee hours. And at some point I recognize that I am doing this and I promise you, it does not feel like peace and ease to first thing in the morning, be spinning out a whole conversation that's not going to happen for a couple of weeks. And how is that productive? It's not productive at all. So I said to myself, Whew, okay, stop doing that. <laughs> I came back to right now. I listened to the birds chirping outside my window and that felt much, much better. Now is where you will find ease and peace. That was number three. Similarly, now is where you can release suffering. Now is where you can release suffering. Now, this goes back to an ancient uh, Buddhist uh, principle, but this is a principle that is often un uh, misunderstood. So I actually want to go to another text here to talk about this word suffering, because for anyone who has spent any time um, learning about Buddhist thought, then you would have heard this term. Hey, Tony! <laughs> Tony is my fellow doctoral student at Union Theological Seminary. Welcome, Tony. We got to get you on here. Um, so suffering, you hear in Buddhist thought this term suffering. What does it mean, right? To release suffering. So the Pali word is actually dukkha, and it does not mean agony of the body. It really is referring to a deep, subtle sense of dissatisfaction. So suffering is anything that produces a deep sense of dissatisfaction in any part of the mind at any moment. And so then it results in this mental treadmill. What did I just talk about? Me and the mental treadmill of this conversation that I have totally made up. And so um, freedom and enlightenment is about releasing this suffering. And so it is in the now moment when you can do that because you are having some form of unconscious or conscious. My, my, my dialogue with myself about the conversation went from unconscious to conscious resistance about this conversation, the subject of the conversation, how I think it might go. And so I'm focusing more on what I don't want and what, what's not going to happen or whatever, instead of what I do want, which is it, to wake up in the morning feeling good, feeling abundant, ready for my day, not this whole dissatisfaction with this mental treadmill about a conversation seven to 10 days from now, which in reality may not even occur, right? I don't even know, right? Inshallah, am I going to be here 10 days from now, right? So it just doesn't make any sense. So uh, the now moment is where you can release suffering, that deep, strong sense of dissatisfaction with what is or what you imagine to come. Now, therefore, is where you can find joy and happiness, joy and happiness. At any moment in the now moment, you can go to a thought that produces joy and happiness. In my example, I decided I'm releasing this thought about this conversation. Why am I doing this to myself? And instead, I focused on the sounds of this bird chirping. So loud, so strong, singing, inviting me into the day. And back, back to what at this moment is lacking. In that moment, nothing was lacking. It was full of abundance and joy through the sound of that chirping bird. So number five, now is where you can find joy and happiness. 
through all of this. Number six, now, 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 now is the door to spirituality, oneness, enlightenment. We heard this communicated to us through the quotes that we covered here, right? The Zen Buddhist asked, what at this moment is lacking? If not now, when? The Sufis tell us the Sufi is the son of time present. Past and future veil God from our sight. Burn up both of them with fire. Master Eckhart, Meister Eckhart says, time is what keeps the light from reaching us. There is no greater obstacle to God than time. Time does not exist in the now moment. The now moment is eternal. Now, 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 now. Time is a construct. Does the tree exist on a timeline, on a clock? Not in the way that human beings do. Now is the door to spirituality oneness and enlightenment. That's why so many traditions have practices that have you stop and go inner because the external world is the fog, the inner world in the now present moment. Because number seven, now is where you reunite because you were never separate. You could never be separate, but you can do things that have you feel a sense of separation. Now is where you reunite with your infinite non-physical self, infinite creative intelligence, God. And this is what Lord Krishna was calling Arjuna into in the Bhagavad Gita, an opportunity to reunite with the infinite non-physical self. And it is translated as unmanifested, unmanifested and versus bodies in the Bhagavad Gita. So, Mark, if you come back on, I'll just recap quickly the seven reasons to choose and to live in the now, and then then we'll take a moment to talk about this and then move on to what are the barriers to living in the now. So reasons to choose to live in the now. It's the only thing that's real. You are the youngest you will ever be. It's where you will find ease and peace, release from suffering, joy and happiness, spirituality, oneness, and enlightenment, and you will reunite with your infinite non-physical self, infinite creative intelligence, God. I'm hoping I'm selling y'all on the now. It sounded pretty good to me. What, what do you think? So uh, I was thinking about your first, your first quote, which is, what at this moment is lacking, if not now, when? And what came to me was courage and motivation. Um, uh, those things are lacking. Like I got a paper to do today and I don't really want to do it. Uh, <laughs> um, and so it's the motivation to, 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 to that's missing. Right. Um, I want to pause there cause you just made a great point. You said, I've got a paper to today and I don't want to do it. And so how do you feel about that? Does that feel good? <laughs> no, no, like literally in your body. When you think about it, does it feel good? No, not not no. at this stage. No, it feels irresponsible. No. 
Yeah, yeah, because see, that's resistance to what is. You're, you're. Thank you for sharing that, right? Because that is a perfect example of what happens when we have resistance to the now moment. The action, your Arjuna moment, is calling you that this paper is what's in your next now moment. That's what's real. But you've got some resistance to that, right? And you're not really fully accepting what is, right? And so there's that disconnect there, and it causes dissatisfaction in your body. That's a form of suffering. Right. But when you connect to the now moment and 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 if you were able to look to that in a different way, um, then you could release the suffering around around that. Um, so you got so a comment. <laughs> Cheryl DC Joy has a question, it looks like. No comment. OK. If now is where we should focus, black people should be excelling. We tend to live in the now. No delayed gratification. Take, buy it now in case it gets taken away. Dreams as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die today, James Dean. So I would say yes, Anne. So that's one in, one interpretation of, of, of living in the now, going out and buying things today as opposed to waiting. I'm assuming you're saying instead of saving or... or well, the whole know. cause of delayed gratification is that, you know, get it when you can, when you can afford it, right? Right. <laughs> things like that right so yes yeah, so that is one 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 lens of looking at the now uh, i think you know the focus here is the now of literally in this moment right so and so i would ask do uh, black people excel or any marginalized community excel at living in the now, given our historical and intergenerational experience, um, or are we carrying? And is what, what leads us to this um, desire not to have delayed gratification associated with what we perceive the past to be? I couldn't have it. I've been denied. You know, I, I, I've been in the sense of lack and absence for most of my life or my community. And I want to have some joy and I want to have some happiness. And the world tells me that this material thing will provide that to me. So I'm going to go and get it. Right. But the question we would ask here is to go deeper than that. Right. And if we were really in the now moment in the now moment of saying, what is the source of my discontent in this now moment? Is the source of my discontent that I don't have this brand new whatever, whatever? Or is that just how I'm dealing with it? The source of my discontent might be overall my financial things, overall my sense of self-worth as I'm compared to other people, you know, the now moment would have you going in or not external and then determining what is really causing this suffering, this discontent, which then would lead to possibly a different reaction. So, you know, I hear you. Absolutely. We definitely see people making choices out of reaction, reaction. But I would say that these choices are not made from a mindfulness of the now moment and what is really going on inner. And if that was the case, then different decisions would be made. Right. So Latanya asks, how do you define excelling? 
That's a question for you, Cheryl DC Joy, not me. So uh, you can come back and let Latanya know what you mean by excelling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Mark, any other thoughts on the reasons to choose to live in the now before we go on to the barriers and come back to it? What did you say about sorrow? You can escape from sorrow. What did you say about sorrow? I don't know that I used the word sorrow. I said it, you can release suffering. And then suffering, I read- Suffering, suffering, that's right. what I meant. Yeah, and I, then I read from the Buddhist definition of suffering, yes, which comes so from the Pali. And again, I'll, I'll show the source here, another wonderful text by another wonderful spiritual teacher, Mindfulness in Plain English, highly recommend it, Mindfulness in Plain English by Bhante Gunaratana. Um, That's where I got and, the loving kindness meditation from. Exactly. We, and we, we read from this individual on the loving kindness me meditation, which will give you a spiritual um, context context for mindfulness. Uh, this book focuses particularly on Vipassana meditation. There are many forms of meditation and mindfulness. And so uh, this one focuses on one form of, of meditation, Vipassana, but it does give you some history around the Buddhist tradition more generally. Yeah, I thought the uh, what kind of made me chuckle when you were doing your thing was, now is the youngest I'll ever be. <laughs> you know, do you know where I picked that one up from? That's actually a quote from the sage from the present, Nasir, who goes by Nas. <laughs> Did you call him a sage? He is a sage. <laughs> Maybe you don't listen to Nasir's lyrics, but if you do, they're very wise, right? He's got a lot of very wise things to say. And so sages come in all forms. And just as the Bhagavad Gita is written as a form of poet, poetry, right? And, and Rumi. And so many of the sages throughout history, uh, poetry has been their form of communication. So to think that rap is not a form of poetry, right? I think is a misunderstanding of the art. And so it would not, should not surprise that we find sages who choose to uh, share their wisdom teachings through through it's this funny, modality? You should say Nazir. I uh, I had an assignment last week with my students on quotes, where they had to find a quote that was important to them and put it in this group presentation. And one of my students put "Money is my bitch" by Nas. I was like, "Where'd you get that from?" He said, "I, I Google famous quotes by rappers." <laughs> and I was like, "Why did you choose that?" Because it is. That's us. Kids are so crazy, man. <laughs> so. Look, that sounds like a segment for a whole sacred space Sunday. I know. Right? Is money like your bitch, right? I, I think that, you know, we will have to really unpack that, right? Like, you <laughs> presentation for school. This is a school. Is this, think that's school appropriate? <laughs> okay, here's Cheryl's answer to excelling. Financially, family structures, nonviolence, health. <laughs> Yeah. So, so are black people excelling in these areas? Um, I, I would say the statistics would show uh, not so, not so much, not so well, much. I'm reading, I'm doing this uh, adolescent uh, development class and they talk about some of the disproportionate uh, stats. So um, African-Americans and Latinos continue to come up as having dysfunctional families, having kids that have, uh, alienated or antisocial behaviors as a result, um, more prone to dropping out and uh, not doing well and bullying and all those kind of 
negative things. So according to this, they that African Americans are not excelling. Dropout rates are higher. Um, so I think it's really you know I talk about. It, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to do the work. But I do find the readings interesting. Um, yeah, I think um, I think excelling is it 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 is a, a word that that could be you know interpreted by many individuals, just kind of like we talked about the different uh, translations of the Bhagavad Gita, right? And how do you take one word and what does it mean to you? And um, uh, there's many choices for excelling. So I think that's that's interesting. It, it, it's an interesting concept. If we if now is where we should focus, black people should be excelling. So I think that's that's a very what is what is your vote? One or two? She voted two. Not <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, so with that, I thank you, and I, I appreciate all that feedback. And so, from my point of view, and from the point of view of many um, across the ages and traditions, now is all that matters. Now is all that matters, and it is because the past is only a memory. There's nothing constructive you can do with the past. Now, the past may inform your now. But where it goes in that now, how it's experienced in that now, what your perception of it is, of that past in this now, is all determined now. You can't go back and have a different experience of the past. Your perceptions of any past event is all determined right now. You cannot go forward into the future and create. It's all imagined, hypothetical, an illusion, illusory, and not promised. Tomorrow actually never comes. We only have the now moment. And society would not have us thinking in that way. It tells us we must continuously, continuously, continuously explore our past. And everything we're doing is so we can determine our future. And those two poles, right? <laughs> yeah. And those two poles without the contextual understanding of the reality that, yes, and. The only thing that is real, though, is right now. And it is in this moment where I have some power. I have no power over the past and no power of the future. The only place, the playground, the space, the opportunity for creativity, For choices is right now, the eternal now. So I offer my twos. Why do you call it the eternal now? Because there's now and now. Like try to confine and define the now. As soon as you say now, that's past. Now you're in a new now and a new now. It's it's continuously, I mean, seconds don't even capture it, right? 
Okay. And it's the depth of of that reality actually creates space that you have this eternal now moment. I could yell at you and catch it and in the very next now moment, come back. I can't take it away. The yell has happened. I said what I said, it's, it's done. But in that next now, I can make a new decision. I have a new moment for a new choice. And the question is, what are we doing with that now? Are we using our now moments as an opportunity to connect with our non-physical self, our manifested, our unmanifested, our manifested self? Are we using our now moment to check in and, and come from that space from an inner place or an external place? As Cheryl talked about the going out and buying without thinking and, and you know, may not be in a place to buy that, but I'm just going to do it because that's what I want to do. That's operating from a now moment decision, but it's based on external factors. If we had gone within and really done the internal work, is this coming from a good place? Is this coming from a place of lack or abundance? Where's my, what's my come from on making this purchase decision? Am I out here to compare, to compete? To, to feel something that I think that this material thing is going to bring to me. I think the material thing is what's going to give me joy. I think the man, the woman, the they, the non-binary, that's what's going to bring me joy. If I think something external outside of myself is going to bring me joy, then I'm going to do the thing that's going to have me run for that. That might be material things, but that also can be relationships. That can be jobs. That can look a lot of different ways in terms of the things that we go out here and do from a place of lack that we think is going to fulfill versus coming from a now moment that says, go within. What is my God positioning system? My internal body feelings tell me about this to say, go left, go right. When I align with source, what's the inspiration versus the reaction inspiration versus reaction. So yeah, what are barriers? We've talked about a few of them. Barriers to living in the now, unconscious thoughts and behavior. So yeah, I couldn't live in the now when I'm spinning up this whole story about this conversation I'm going to have later. You might be, Mark, spinning up a story about what it's going to look like to write this paper, how hard it's going to be, whatever. Am I going to do that or whatever? You're not actually doing it right now. So why are you thinking about it right now? Because right now we're here on Sacred Space Sunday. I'm not saying you are. I'm just using you as an example, right? <laughs> These unconscious thoughts and behavior, right? If I do this, then that. If I do this, then that. And I'm not right now, so I don't even taste the food that I'm eating. I call myself watching TV, but I missed that last segment because I was in my head thinking about this, that, and the other. I have to say somebody, can you repeat that? You're having a conversation and I'm already thinking about what I want to say, so I never even heard what you said. All of these are barriers to living in the now. Unhappy, negative thoughts and behavior. And this is where the past can really create that. This is not to discount or remove things that have happened in our past that were negative. But in this now moment, what at this moment is lacking? What at this moment is lacking? 
And if we're constantly in a state of thinking about what happened yesterday, last year, when I was two, when I was 12. <laughs> last time I did it. <laughs> right. It makes it really hard to be in the now moment and to separate those experiences, memories from right now, now, now. Complaining. Complaining takes us out of the now moment because that is a very conscious, concrete, not acceptance of what is, resistance to what is, right? Happiness can't flow from being resistant to what is. So complaining takes us away from the now moment. All forms of resistance or resentment, non-acceptance of what is, are barriers to living in the now. The opportunity is to stop, become present, refocus, become mindful, and reemerge in this moment to feel inspiration versus mental reaction. Take action from inspiration, not reaction action from inspiration, not reaction. Inspiration is going to be associated with your infinite self. Inspiration comes from alignment with your non-physical self, from alignment with the divine, with God, who communicates through your body and your feelings. When you're feeling that unease and stress and it doesn't feel right, that's God trying to tell you something. But you got to stop down, stop and be in the now moment to even notice that. Or you won't even notice the feeling. You won't even realize because you're just doing. Which is back to what Cheryl is actually talking about. Just doing from reaction as opposed to now moment and really thinking about what is this moment really calling for. Yeah. I hear you, Keisha. What Keisha Dean, KG Dean asked, what if you don't have an opportunity to be mindful because the now requires so damn much, it's exhausting. What if you don't have an opportunity to be mindful because the now requires so damn much, it's exhausting. And I will offer that you probably are intensely in the now. When you are in situations of high trauma, high demand, they require, they allow you to do nothing but focus on the now. <laughs> you know, I've shared this before. When Mark experienced- well, yes, the now, but you also think about the future though when you're in those kinds of situations. You're like, this is what's going on now. So what, you know, what am I gonna do next? How am I gonna get through this? So you're not Thank really you. just in the now, you're in the now and future when you're doing that. Thank you. Yes. And so it's not that you don't have an opportunity to be mindful because you always have an opportunity to be mindful because we all have, even though it's hard to think about this and sometimes hard to accept, we all have control over our own minds. We actually all have control over our own minds. So it may be we're not practiced in doing it. It is certainly very human to let the mind just do and not have any intentionality around it. Yeah. 
but there is always the opportunity to refocus. And I think so, that's why Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks rather, uh, suggests before the momentum of the now catches up with you uh, to go ahead and start your day off with mindfulness, but start your day off with 10 or 15 minutes of, of just mindfulness um, and then hold on to it as long as you can for that, uh, yeah. for, for that day until you get to the next. When you wake up in the morning, that's the best, best time. That's what she says. I don't know. Um, I wake up so early of getting ready. I'm not able to practice it. And, I mean, I do in the sense that I listen to her um, or uh, on the work while I'm driving, but you know, I'm still paying attention to the road and all that kind of stuff too. I'm not just like a free mind. Absolutely. And I'm going to offer some suggestions for practicing the now. So the now, it, it, it's a practice. And thank you. Keep the questions and comments coming in the yeah, chat. Yeah, another question came in. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to finish addressing this one before we move on. So can we, okay. yeah. Um, okay. KG Dean, I, I, I want to continue to address because this is, this is really a critical one. So first, I want to say that it may feel like you don't have an opportunity to be mindful, but the reality is, is that we all always have an opportunity to be mindful because we do have the power to control our minds, right? Unless there is, is, is some unwellness in our minds, right? Some unwellness that's going on that, you know, that we literally physically can't, then we have an opportunity to be mindful. And so again, I was going to say, you know, when I was dealing with my own set of traumas around when Mark was experiencing, experiencing unwellness, yes, there very much could have been a way that I approached that situation about what does my circumstances that I'm seeing with my eyes right now and what people are telling me, what is that going to mean about tomorrow and the next day and next year and next week and all of this? And how am I going to deal with this and how? And I'm not going to say those those thoughts didn't cross my mind because they do. So I'm not saying that we, you know, we're humans. We're, this is a practice. All of this is a practice. Right. And I made a very intentional decision because I was so overwhelmed, literally in the midst of the trauma, that I would only focus on getting to the next second. Those thoughts would come. Wh what have I got to do next? What's literally right in front of me? What I was hyper in the now as a means of survival. So I am not suggesting this as a way of life, but when you're in those highly traumatic situations, that is really a time more so I think than ever to say, because the, the, dealing with the hypotheticals and the imaginaries of the future can take you down a spiral that may not be easy to recover from. And you can't change it by reimagining it and thinking it. Deal with the now. Your now is so filled with stuff. <laughs> give yourself to grace, the grace to really just get to the next moment. So. Um, to the next now. <laughs> just get to the next now and say that to yourself. I literally would say to myself, I'm just going to get to the next now. 
And if anyone called me or talked to me during that time, you will require, you will require, you will remember if you asked me how I was doing, I said, I'm just getting to the next moment. I'm not thinking about two hours from now. I can't tell you about tomorrow. <laughs> the only thing I can handle right now and, and the only thing that is present for me, and that's really true for our entire lives, right? But that made it so hyper, hyper real, right? That I'm just literally getting to the next moment. So that's what I offer you, KG Dean. I'm not saying this is easy, uh, but it certainly uh, is something that you can hold on to more than um, thinking out about what is this going to look like seven days, 14 days, a year from now. Um, it's too much. Um, okay. Does living in the now equal happiness? Always positive in inspiration. Um, so always, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't do very well in any absolutes from my point of view. Always does always, living in, never. <laughs> right. yeah, always, never we're humans. All of this stuff is a practice. It's not a destination. It's a practice. So nothing is always, it's a, it's a, it's a practice, not a destination, but does now is now the portal to happiness? Yes. Is now the path to happiness? Yes. So in that can now equal happiness in a way that the past and the present never can. Because when we dwell in the past, there's a sense of, even if we're thinking about something that was so great, there is a, a way that we can be like, oh, that past, that moment was so awesome. I wish I could have that forever. And that I wish that I could have it forever is an association of it can't be like that. Or you a noticing of what isn't, therefore you're elevating that moment. In the future, right? Oh, when I get this, that will make me happy. That goes back to that thinking that you're talking about of, of making decisions that ultimately are not in your best interest, right? Because thinking that something in the future is going to bring me happiness. Well, you only have right now. And if you can't enjoy this moment, thinking that something external to yourself that happens in the future is going to bring happiness is a misunderstanding of the way happiness works because happiness comes from the inside. And the only way you connect to the now moment is from an is an inner work. Connecting to the now moment is inner work. Connecting to the now moment is inner work. So yes, now is where you find happiness. Yeah, mindful at a different scale. Yeah. Mindful at a different scale. So KG Dean comes back and says, okay, I guess I'm being mindful, but at a different scale. I just say an affirmation while I'm constantly doing. Right, right. So I love this because, again, if you if you pick up Bonte Gunaratama's Mindfulness in Plain English, one of the things that he does here is breaks down you know, these misunderstandings of what mindfulness and meditation is. And meditation is just one form of mindfulness. They're not the same thing. Mindfulness can be walking. Mindfulness can be eating. Mindfulness can be brushing your teeth. Mindfulness can be having a conversation, right? And so um, meditation in terms of how you see it on TV or sitting on a, sitting on a cushion, that's just 
one form, right? And so he talks about misconceptions of mind meditation, right? And because of the Western world and the way this has been brought to us, there are a lot of misconceptions. So he talks about meditation is just a relaxation technique, misconception. Misconception two, meditation means going into a trance. <laughs> misconception three, Meditation is a mysterious practice that cannot be understood. Four, the purpose of meditation is to become psychic. Something <laughs> meditation is dangerous and a prudent person should avoid it. Meditation is for saints, not for regular people. Meditation is running away from reality. Right? When you meditate, you sit around thinking lofty thoughts. Meditation is a great way to get high. Meditation is self. So there's lots and lots of misconceptions about what meditation is. Did you say a way to get high? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people think that, right? Um, so being mindful, being mindful is simply being present to the now moment. Not in the past. Not in the future. Yeah. Now is all that matters because it is the only thing that is real. And because of that, all those other reasons that I get, gave flow from that. And it is key to unlocking our happiness because it is in the now moment that we are present, therefore present to ourselves, and therefore we can connect to happiness. Okay, LaTanya. Okay, go ahead, Mark. So Latanya writes, does it really come down to focusing on your feelings in the now? Abraham often asks us to think about what is the feeling we are searching for, get to that feeling and then focus on goals, tasks, must do, must do's. Absolutely. Right. Because you've, and, and so this is consistent with that. I see this absolutely consistent. Does it really come down to focusing on your feelings in the now? Because only by focusing on your feelings in the now, can you know whether or not you have a good feeling or you have a feeling of suffering? You have to first pay attention to what you're feeling now to understand whether you're at the end of resistance or whether you're at the end of alignment and connection. So it starts with focusing on your feelings now. And then based on that determination, you can continue to do the things that keep you in alignment or you can use the strategies, which he says, Abraham talking about Esther Hicks um, when speaking through their divine self. Uh, says Abraham often asks us to think about what we what feeling we are searching for, right? So if you're in an experience of suffering, of that strong sense of dissatisfaction, resistance to what is, you know that's not good. If you're feeling very much in a lack, you're you're feeling jealous of people, you're comparing yourself to other people, you're not feeling worthy, you're thinking about your past, bad things have always happened to me, bad things are going to continue to happen to me, I can't get out of this, I'm never going to get ahead. You know, any of these these sensations, these feelings of suffering in your body, you feel tight, you feel constricted, you feel just, you know, not good. Now, we can say, this is where Abraham talks about contrast, the contrast. What? So now we have the information to know that's not the feeling that I'm searching for. And so how do I get to the feeling and focus on that? 
And one of the ways to do that is to become mindful and do some mindful tasks. So, you know, get to that feeling, which might be thinking about the bird chirping. That was or my the, example. The sunshine, the way the sun rays the sky, the lights across the sky. Right. Exactly. I go for a walk. I go for a walk, um, you know, and just notice the trees. I have a conversation with the trees. Right now I'm looking at my window. I'm seeing the trees actually start to bud. I remember couple of days ago it was just these little brown rounds at the end of the branches that I knew was the beginning of a bud and now today they have color they're red I mean just looking out that 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 brings me joy so yes you notice what you're feeling now because that lets you know where you are you got to check as Abraham would say what station am I currently on and if I'm not on the station I want to be on if I'm not vibrating where I want to be if I'm not feeling the good feeling that I want to feel then what do I need to do to retune to get there? And this is where we use our different strategies, our different rituals, our different practices. So go ahead. Now I was going to go to the next one. Okay. So Cheryl DC Joy has a comment. These are awesome. Keep them coming. I like thinking about the feeling you want, but the goals, tasks, must-dos are the future activities. No. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for bringing up this clarification. So you'll recall, I said, you know, you refocus and you reemerge now from inspiration versus mental reaction. So it's not that you never take action. It's where are you taking the action from? What's your come from? You know, Margaret used to always say, what's your come from? right? Are you taking that action from that place of lack? Things never work out for me, feeling bad. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm just mentally suffering. I'm not worthy. I'm trying to compete. I'm trying to prove to somebody else that I got it. I'm going to take this one's that because they don't deserve it. And so if you're taking action from that place, then you're likely to attract more of what you got. You are going to attract more of what you got. So you may get that thing, but your experience, your feelings aren't going to change. Now, on the other hand, you find that feeling that you want, you note, and you move to a place of feeling good, of feeling abundant, of feeling that ease and that peace. And you take action from that place, from inspiration. You might not think of it as inspiration, but when you're coming from a place of ease, a place of peace, then you are in your non-physical self. Ease and peace, love and joy are reflection of in that moment, you're in alignment with the one. Source is love. Source is ease. Source is peace. Source is all those things, abundance that feels good. And when you are feeling that, you are in alignment with that part of yourself. And when you take action from that place in space, then the results are going to be very different. Um, so, you know, uh, if there's other thoughts or comments or questions, come back, come, um, keep them coming. But at the time, I want to bring this to a close. And I think I've already outed myself, but I would select number one. I absolutely believe that now is all that matters. And so how do you practice the now? How do you practice presence? Through mindfulness. Mindfulness is very simply, not simple to do, simple to understand, being present, being present to the moment, very much right here, 
right now, not in your head, thinking about other things right here, right now in this moment. Mindfulness can be achieved through doing Reiki practices, experiencing Reiki performed by others. Mindfulness can be achieved through exercise. So if you're doing exercise and you're just focused on the swing of that golf club, the, 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 the legs pedaling on that bike, the legs hitting the pavement, the postures you're doing in yoga, the breath that you're taking along with it, you're being present. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about yesterday, last year. You're not thinking about what you're about to do after the, you're being mindful in this moment, walking, walking intentionally, noticing this step the next step, this step, the next step, the sounds, the smells, what you see, that's being mindful. Eating, eating mindfully, actually noticing you're picking up the fork, the spoon, the knife, you're cutting it, you're chewing, you note that you're chewing, you're tasting each taste, you're tasting each bite, you're noticing how it goes into your system, you're being mindful in that moment, you're not, you know, over here trying to read, trying to work, trying to watch TV, trying to do this, trying to do all these things, and you're just shoving food in your mouth, it's mindful, brushing your teeth, each stroke, each stroke, so the everyday tasks that we do, doing them with intention, and so that is the application of this insight, to practice mindfulness, pick some very specific task and come back to this model of focusing specifically how do we take mindful to our practices right our everyday practices focus notice it become conscious as opposed to thoughts just running through your head and you don't not even paying attention and you just just in this little you know spiral of doom in your head or just on this train treadmill of just thoughts focus just notice them focus to notice this is what I'm thinking about right now. This is what I'm feeling. So feel and identify like what is happening for you right now, right? And if it's anything that doesn't feel good, that is creating suffering, and again, this expansive definition of suffering, stop for a moment. We do have that power to interrupt our thoughts and then choose whether you need to release it or redirect it. Now, uh, LaTanya brought up the teachings of Esther Hicks and Abraham. And one of the things that she talks about that I think is so helpful is that sometimes when we're in the spiral of doom of thoughts, right, that are not supporting or serving us, don't try to redirect it, right? So if I'm having a thought, I'm going to have this conversation, it's going to go bad, and then they're going to say this, and then I'm going to say that, and then I'm going to feel like this, and then everything's going to be ruined, and blah, 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 blah. In that moment, I may not have the capacity to re redefine that particular conversation, to come up with a way to have that conversation in a more positive. So sometimes you can't redirect that specific thing. <laughs> so I just need to release thinking about that conversation totally. I can't, I don't have a capacity to like honestly in my body have it because I might say some different words in my head, but in my body, I still feel the same way about it. So just release thinking about that and choose a thought that works. Again, coming back to the birds chirping, that was ease and peace. I'm not trying to reframe that thought. I wasn't able to do that in that moment. What gets you to ease? Because ease and happiness are cousins. Ease and <laughs> happiness are cousins, right? They got the same mama. <laughs> <laughs> 
They come from the same source, right? love. <laughs> they all come from the same source, right? Cousins. Um, so th that's the uh, uh, application. And uh, I am assured through the wisdom of the ages that if you practice this on a, on a, on a regular basis, and it is absolutely my personal lived experience, that you will experience more peace, more ease, more love, more wellness, more joy, more oneness. And yes, uh, Cheryl DC Joy, I do call that happiness. Hmm. Thoughts? Oh, we got that one. Yeah. So with that, let's find our posture of presence to close this out. Well, oh. <coughs> King had a couple of comments for us, but I'm not um, able to translate them right now. <coughs> let's find our breath. Our breath is absolutely in the now. Each breath reminds us of the now moment. Finding our breath is an easy way to connect to the now. The breath reflects now. Find your breath. Is it a slow breath? Is it a quick breath? Short breath? Are your shoulders relaxed? Is your tongue light? Your eyes relaxed. Your chin at ease. Are you holding tension in your toes, in your fingers? What is your experience of this now moment? <clears throat> the thoughts may come, let them come. Don't chase them, try to hold on to them. Let them come and let them go. Finding a new now, a new breath. Space, ease. Choosing ease and wellness. Ease and wellness in this moment. Ease. Worry not for tomorrow, 
it takes care of itself. For tomorrow never comes. All we have is now. Right now. Right now. Right now. What in this moment is left? As we breathe in ease and breathe out joy. Releasing all resistance, accepting this now moment as perfect, just this moment as perfect, just this moment, just this moment. Take a few ease, enjoy breaths on your own, and as is comfortable, come back to the presence in a fully awakened and intentional state. We thank you for joining us today. We thank you for your presence, for your contributions, for being part of this one community of love, of joy. And we send you out this week with much love and prayer and ask you to support yourself and those around you and in supporting those around you and yourself you are supporting the upliftment of the entire planet by choosing the now moment you can find us on all the major platforms twitch facebook and youtube instagram Love donations, as always, are honored and appreciated as you give back to where you are spiritually from. And we look forward to seeing you, inshallah, March 19th for the next Sacred Space Sunday. And don't hesitate to reach out to us in the meantime and between time. Any parting words, Mark? No, I just uh, was in that meditation still just being with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I wanted to allow people to stay in that space and take that space into the world. All right, dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share together today in Sacred Space Sunday. The conversations are nourishing minds, bodies, and spirits. Thank you for the opportunity for now, <clears throat> the eternal now, 
to to worship and to live in it, the eternal love that's created, the eternal joy, the eternal ease and kind of comfort, all the eternal <clears throat> results that are happening in the now. Lord, thank you for, uh, for, for these opportunities to praise and be with you, to fellowship together, to learn and uplift each other, to uh, edify each other. Thank you for the now that you've given us and the now that um, that will be. We thank you for love, the joy that was shared today, and we ask that you continue to carry us forward into this week uh, in remembrance of the power of now, and now is what matters, and to, to be mindful to stay and embrace that now. Amen, and so it is. Amen, and so it is. So sending you blessings of oneness, love, and joy, and we will see you soon.